Welcome to the weekend message from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach, California. Whether you are listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. Um, Let me just give you an update. You've been praying about Golden West College and if that is going to be our next stop. And I do have some good news, but not the ultimate good news. The good news is this, and the prayers were appreciated. We thought that the board of directors of Golden West had to vote on this, and that is really kind of a problem in that they don't meet very often. And you never know when something goes to a board what the, what the results will be. It does not have to go to the board, we found out this week. The president of the college makes the decision, and uh, we were hoping they'd make the decision on Friday, uh, and their meeting was postponed. So it's coming up this week, so please continue to pray As we've looked at Huntington Beach, we really think this is our best opportunity, and only God knows, but we need to keep praying, and we hope that we'll have great news for you next week about us being able to go to Golden West College. So let me just pray for us on those lines, and then we're going to jump into the message. Lord, we we just want to bow before you. We recognize that Mariners as a whole church is your church, and Huntington Beach Mariners is your church as well. And with that in mind, we realize that you're the one, ultimately, who's responsible and who will provide a place for us, and we want to trust you in that. But you've also called us to do our work and to um, look and to pray and to do everything we can to find a location that really will suit the work you want to do there. So we are trying to do that, Lord. We pray that you would open up the doors at Golden West College. That seems like a great location for us. And Lord, if it is the place, we pray we'd hear that this week and that we could get there in the new year, early in the new year. And Lord, if you have another place, we want to continue to be open to that. But we put this before you as your people, and we thank you that you are a God we can trust. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me tell you a cool thing that happened to me years and years ago. Uh, Somebody that was at Mariners in our church, a friend of mine, came to me and he said, Kevin... Uh, I've been given the job of getting the ushers for the Grammy Awards up at the Shrine Auditorium. And uh, he was a friend of mine, and I'd heard this before. He had done this in years previous. It had become almost legendary. So he came not only to me, but to some of my friends, and he said, are you interested in going? And I'd heard some of the stories about how cool it was to be the, the ushers at the Grammy Awards. And in fact, one of the stories that came out, I think from the year before, is one of the guys had been there, and after the programs were handed out. He was able to go into sort of this back area. And so he was tired, so there was a chair that was open next to this guy. And he asked the guy, is anybody sitting here? And the guy said, no. So he sat down there for a while, and then he got up and left. And his friends came up to him after and said, do you know who you were sitting next to? And he said, no. And they said, you were sitting next to Sting. And he was laying, because he didn't realize that. But (laughs) what a cool thing. So anyway, when he came to us, and asked us if we were interested in going. And the other thing that I knew is that Paul McCartney was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award there, and I'm a huge Beatles fan. So when he asked us, do you want to go? We said, we're all in. We're all in. You can count us. We definitely want to go. We want to do that. And I'll tell you, that was the coolest thing. And Paul McCartney walked right past me and he's shorter than I thought he was, but that was the coolest thing for me. And I just want to ask you, if I came to you and I said, listen, I have to get the ushers for the Grammy Awards, and after you hand out uh, the programs, you're going to be able to go back and just hang with celebrities 
And depending on your favorite celebrity, if it's Taylor Swift or Kanye West, you know, and they love each other, and, or, or, you know, maybe you're more like the Barry Manilow type or maybe the Perry Como type, I don't know, but your favorite people are going to be there. And I said, listen, are you interested in coming and hanging, handing out the programs? What would your response be? We're all in. Let's just practice that because I'm not taking you unless you say it with gusto and make me believe it. We're all in. Well, today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about something that God has asked us to do. And he's basically said, I want your response to be, we're all in. We're all in. And it's interesting because I don't do this very often, but I'm going to talk to us as a community. And if you're a guest with us today, consider yourself part of our community. But I really want to talk to us about something that I believe God has asked us as a group to join him in to say we're all in on this. And uh, the story that I want to use, and just so you know, we're not doing a Christmas thing today, okay? Um, I apologize for that. We actually are diverting. The main campus is doing a Christmas message. I wanted to talk to you about this stuff, and Lo and I talked about it, and we really thought that this was a little more pertinent for where we are as a church. Basically what happens, and if you remember, last week I talked to you about Abraham, and Abraham was given a blessing. Do you remember that? Right at the beginning, in Genesis 12, Abraham's given a blessing, and God says, I'm going to do two really great things for you. The first thing I'm going to do is give you a whole bunch of descendants, and that was sort of an amazing promise because at that point, Abraham, he's 75 years old, he has no children. But God says, no, I'll take care of that. I'm going to make you, I'm going to give you so many descendants, it's going to be like the stars in the sky. And uh, sure enough, we read as we continue through the book of Genesis that at a point in time after God had given him a son and the son had had children and children had children and all of a sudden there's a bunch of children and they go down to Egypt and they're slaves for about 400 years. And during that time, uh, Abraham's descendants become almost too numerous to count. Just an amazing thing. God came through exactly as he said he would. And then most of you know the story that at a point, after about 400 years of being in slavery, God rose up a man named Moses. You guys are the prince of Egypt, right? And Moses, one day, was walking in the wilderness, and he came to this amazing site, a burning bush that didn't burn up, and all of a sudden, God spoke to him out of the bush. And he told him a bunch of things, but one of the things he said is, I am ready to finish the second part of the promise. To, to Abraham. The first was descendants. Do any of you remember what the second part of the promise was? It was the land. It was the land. I'm going to give you a great, great land. And so sure enough, Moses is told uh, in Exodus 3.8, it says, so I have come down to rescue them, the Jews, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Termites. No, just kidding, not the Termites. But all of these people that are in this land. And uh, basically what God was saying is, I'm going to bring you into a land. You're not there now, but I'm going to bring you into a land. And the reason that I thought of talking about this today is because he has called us to go into a new land, right? Right? He's calling us to go into a new land. In fact, you could almost rewrite 
what he said to Moses and make it relevant for us today. So just picture that God is talking to you in a burning bush, and he says this. So I've come down to rescue, rescue you from the hand of the Irvinites and to bring them up out of a land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with swap meets and surfboards, the home, we'll see how well you guys know your city, the home of the Oilers, Chargers, Vikings, Barons, and do any of you know what the Golden West team sports name is? Rustlers. All right, there you go. And it's like God has come to us, and he said, listen, I'm going to rescue from the land of Irvine. We all want to be rescued from the land of Irvine, and we want to be taken up. And we want to go to our land, to the place that God wants us to be. And so what God does with Moses is he, of course, sends him back, and through a series of miracles, he wrestles uh, probably about two million Israelites, or Jews, out of the Egyptian hands. And he does a series of plagues, and he parts the Red Sea, and they go through it, and he feeds them with manna and quail. He takes them to the bottom of Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, what famous thing is delivered? The Ten Commandments are given. They stay at Mount Sinai for about a year. And during this time, God is forming them into a people. And then it's time to deliver on the promise of the land. And so it says that they take 11 days to walk from Mount Sinai up to the southern boundary of the promised land. And here there are 2 million people on the boundary of the promised land. And God is about to deliver them into the promised land. Now, before he uh, sends all the people in, if you remember the story, he sends 12 spies, right? 12 scouts to check out the land, one from each of the tribes. And here's the reason that he sends up the, the scouts. It isn't to determine whether they're going to take the land, because God has already said, no, we're going to take the land. That's the plan. The reason I'm sending you in is twofold. One is I want you to see how great it is that this land I'm promising you is totally worth it. And I want you to go in, and then I want you to come back and report to everyone how great this land is, because they've not seen it. And back then, there were no atlases and no online pictures. They had to take somebody's word for it. So we're going to send in the scouts. They'll come back. Here's the second reason, is because it's going to now take some strategy on your part to figure out how to take the land. You see, there's people who already live there. And they're not just going to say, oh, just come on in, no problem. And in fact, what we know about Canaan at that time, that was what the land was called, is that there were warring people and that they had huge cities with high gates and that they were, they were great, great soldiers. And so God is basically saying, listen, up to this point, I have carried you. In fact, he uses this great phrase. I have carried you like on eagle's wings. I've carried you out of Egypt. I've taken you through the Red Sea. I have fed you every morning and every evening. I have delivered the law to you. I have done all these things. I have carried you along. But now what I'm going to do as your God is I'm going to put you down. And now we're going to do something in partnership. Now we're going to do something that's going to take some effort on your side. It's going to take some ingenuity. I need you to think some things through. It's definitely going to take some courage. It's going to be frightening at times. It's not going to be an easy thing. We are not going to go away unscathed. But I've carried you to a point, and now it's time for us to do something as partners. 
Now, God is in no way saying that I'm leaving you behind. It's all up to you. You know, check in with me in 40 years after you've taken the land. That's not what God's saying. He's just saying, now we're doing it together. Now it's going to take some effort on your side. And so the scouts go into the land. And as the scouts go into the land, uh, and there's 12 of them, they come back. They, they spend 40 days in the land. Uh, we can call it their 40 days of purpose. Uh, they go into the land for 40 days. They scout it out, and they come back. And now it's time for them to give a report. And here's the report that they give in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, by the way, Numbers 13 is where we're going to be for the majority of today. They gave Moses this account. Uh, Why don't we read it together? We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large, And you notice right away that there's two parts to this report, right? There is a positive part to the report, and then there is a challenging or negative part to this report. So the first they give is the positive. Indeed, the land is great. What God promised is absolutely true. In fact, it's even better than what we thought. Uh, They use this phrase that it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and I'm not sure that means a lot to us in this day and age, but back then uh, it apparently meant something to them. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation, but probably what it meant was that uh, the herds up there are numerous, they're healthy, they're productive, and the herds produce milk, and milk is a good thing. It's like a little milk factory up there, and they like that. That's a great thing, that there is milk all over the place up there. Uh, And then they said, you know, basically there is lush vegetation, and where there's lush vegetation, there is bees, And where uh, the bees are, there is the honey, and honey is a great thing. I mean, just like we like our desserts today, they liked their desserts back then. And so it's sort of like there's a honey factory up there. And so it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It It was a statement to say the land is as good as it possibly could be. We are so excited about it. Uh, Everything is great with the land. But it doesn't stop there because they say there is a huge challenge. The people there are warriors. They have sharp swords. They have long spears. Their uh, cities are built on hills. On top of that, they have huge walls. They have fought with each other for hundreds of years. They are hardened warriors. We are slaves from Egypt. We don't know how to fight. We don't know how to handle this situation. And so they look at it and they say, it is super positive but the challenges are overwhelming. That is the report that comes out. It is a great, great gift that God is giving us, but I don't know that we could do it. I'm not sure that we can pull this off. And I just want to say this, uh, because this is really a general truth about things that God calls us to. When God calls us to a challenge, when, when God gives us a calling, something he wants us to do, it almost always has these two components in it. It has the appeal, it has the dream, it has the thing that in your heart makes you go, whoa, this would be so great, this would be awesome, I was built for this, I can't imagine a better thing to give my life to. You know, have you ever had something like that where God called you to something and you just go, wow, there's just something inside me that so much wants to do that, to be a part of that. And that's true of God's calling. 
God very often rises something up in us and we just go, that is worth giving my life for. But almost always, in fact, I couldn't think of an exception. There will be a challenge that is so significant that while on the one hand you're saying, I would give my life for this, on the other hand, you will think, I can't possibly pull this off. And God's intentional about this because what does God want us to know? You're right. You can't pull this off. You're going to need help. You're going to need to depend on me. If you think that you're going to make my calling come true without my involvement, you are sadly mistaken. You don't do anything without me, and I'll make sure you don't, because you're going to look at it and say, I couldn't pull this off. And when we say that, God says, perfect. Perfect. That's exactly what I want you to think. You can't pull this off. You can't possibly do it. Not by yourself. And so that's what the children of Israel are confronted with. They are given this amazing opportunity, but they're also given this challenge that is overwhelming. And I just want us to put us on pause with a story for a second. When I think about us going into Huntington Beach, I don't know how you feel about it. The huge question is to ask this, is God calling us to it? Is God calling us back into Huntington Beach? Now, before you answer too quickly and you go, of course, we know that. That's where we want to be. Here's what you need to understand. The challenges are going to be really significant. If you think we're going to waltz into Huntington Beach, that everything's going to fall into place, that there aren't going to be times where we feel like we've run into a wall, if you think there's going to be times where you think uh, where, where uh, everything starts to cave in or you feel like this is just too heavy, I can't carry it, if you think it's going to be anything other than that, then you've sadly mistaken how God calls people to do things. Again, there's not an instance in the Bible where God's called somebody, some, uh, some group of people or some person to do something significant, and they were not overwhelmed with it. And God said, perfect. Now you've got to count on me. Now, when things work out, you won't be able to take credit for it. Because God clearly did it. Because I did it. And you're going to know that. You're going to know I walked with you. So here's the good news that I want to tell you. If God has called us to it, and we move forward, we can know this. We move with God. God goes with us if he's called us to it. But here's the big question we have to answer. Has God called us into Huntington Beach? We better be able to say yes to that. Because if it gets hard and we don't believe we've been called, we will give up. We will say, no, it's not worth it. Let me just tell you about Huntington Beach. And of course, Fountain Valley is next door, and there's other cities right around it. Uh, Huntington Beach is just over 100 years old. It's the largest beach city in Orange County. It's the third largest city in uh, Orange County. It has 200,000 people. Now, let me just say this. If statistics are right of what they say, that you know, 20%, maybe 25% of people go to church, that means that there's 150 to 160,000 people this morning that are sitting at home with no thought about going to church, maybe with no thoughts about God, without a relationship with Jesus, 
on no course to step into the blessings that God wants to give them. There's 150,000 people like that just in Huntington Beach. That's not to say what there is in Fountain Valley or Westminster or Garden Grove or the cities that are right around. Do you think that God has a heart for those people? Do you think God looks at that and says, we've got to do something about that? There has to be a call that goes out to the people that are believers in that area to say, we won't stand for this. We are going to make a difference. We are going to bring God's kingdom to Huntington Beach. I have no doubts that God's called us to this. I have no doubts at all. But it's going to be important that you say the same thing. I have no doubts, no doubts God has called us to this. Now, if that's the case, there's three decisions that we're going to have to make. They're going to come up again and again and again, and I just want to pull you through this because Moses dealt with this as well. Three decisions that we're going to have to make. Here's the first decision, and it has to do with our perspective on the call. Our perspective on the call. And here's the question. Are we going to obsess about the problems or about the challenges, or are we going to focus on the Lord? It is always a question. It's always something that comes up. We know that as the story continues that the spies come back, and the first ten give a report. And here's the report they give. They say, but the men who had gone up with them said... We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Can you imagine that? After they come back seeing this amazing land, they are so worried about the problem that they actually start to give bad reports about the land. They start to say, well, it really wasn't that great. It really is not. It's not that much better than this like desert wilderness we're living in right now. Can you imagine that they are so scared that that's the report they give? And then they go on to say, and the land we explored devours those living in it. Okay, a little bit of an exaggeration. All the people we saw there are of great size. And then I love this line. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Now, this is before Kung Fu and David Carradine, and when grasshopper meant a really cool thing, it did not mean a cool thing here. It meant a really bad thing. We don't want to look like grasshoppers, and we do. And you can just ask this question. What were they focused on? What were they obsessed with? They were obsessed with the challenge, with the problems, and they became immobilized. They said, we cannot do it. We just cannot. We'd be foolish to do it. They become uh, so obsessed with the problem that they spread this bad report through all the two million people that are there. It is always a challenge for us to come face to face with the problems of doing God's call. And we can become immobilized. We can become immobilized. And yet God says, that is not what I want you to focus on. I don't want you to focus on the problem. Now I want you to be realistic, and it's one of the reasons the spies were sent in. I want you to know the problems and the challenges. Don't be sort of Pollyannic about it and just say, oh, it will just all work out. No, you need to understand the challenges, but don't be overwhelmed with the challenges. And so there's a second report that is also given. Only two of the, of the spies, just two of the scouts give this, guys named Joshua and Caleb. And they say this, and just look at the difference in how they look at it. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Don't let them tell you the land's not good. It's exceedingly good. 
If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. We will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And I love that. You know, they, they basically, the first 10 said, if we go up there, they're going to devour us. And what Joshua and Caleb say is, just let us at them. We're going to eat them up. We're going to devour them. I mean, the perspective is totally different because Joshua and Caleb are focused on who? They're focused on the Lord. And their thought is, of course we can't do it. Of course we can't do it. But we've got this amazing God that stands with us. And with him, the people in the land don't stand even a chance. They don't even stand a chance. And so here's the first decision that we need to make as a church. Huntington Beach, we need to make this. Are we going to focus on the problems? Are we going to become obsessed with the challenges? Or are we going to focus on the Lord? We're going to understand the challenges. We're going to take them seriously. But we know who's on our side. You know, our God is bigger our God is greater. Our God is stronger. It makes all the difference in the perspective. That's the first decision. What's our perspective? Uh, the second decision that comes down has to do with the commitment. What commitment are you going to make to the call? And the commitment can go all the way from just passing on the opportunity and saying, I'm not going to go for this opportunity, or I'm going to fully commit. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be part of this. Now, here's a sad story about what happens to the two million people. As the word goes out, as things are being cast back and forth, the overwhelming majority of the people say, we're not in. We're not going to do it. In fact, they become so scared of what's happening that they demand Moses take them back to Egypt. They would rather be slaves in Egypt than to take on this challenge. And they said, Moses, if you don't do that, we're going to kill you. I mean, they are scared spitless of this challenge in front of them. And so one of the biggest tragedies really recorded in the whole Bible is that these two million people on the edge of the promised land with a God behind them saying, you are going to take it and I'm going to be with you. Instead of going into the land, they turn around 180 degrees and they walk away. And it says that God is so frustrated and so upset with them that he calls Moses over and he says, Moses, that's it. That's it. I'm going to wipe them all out. And Moses pleads with God and says, please don't wipe them out. For your name's sake, don't wipe them out. And the question always comes up, you know, did, did Moses really talk God into something or talk him out of something? And I don't think so. I think that God knew exactly how Moses would respond and he needed Moses to step up for the people again. So finally, God says, all right, I won't wipe them out. I won't do away with them. But there will be a consequence. And so God says in Numbers 14, uh, verses, uh, starting in verse 20, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked, Moses. I've forgiven them. Nevertheless, there are consequences. As surely as I live, as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, in other words, on my name, you can bet this is going to happen. Uh, 
Not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. I gave them my word that I'd take them in. And because they've turned against it, because they have not believed me, no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. And they turn around and they walk away. And just so you know how significant that is, not one person 20 years or older went into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb, the two scouts that said, we can take it. And just so you know what that looked like every morning, there were a hundred fresh graves in the wilderness of spouses, of parents, of grandparents who died in the wilderness. And not one of them got to go in. They said, we are going to pass on the opportunity. And you know what? God gave them their desire. And none of them saw it. They all died in the wilderness. None of, it made it, none of them made it to the promised land. There are... Uh, there is a certain gulp factor in doing what God calls you to do. But I'll tell you this, it is nothing compared to the pain of missing the opportunity that God has given you. There's nothing compared to that. To think God gave me a chance to be part of a story that is amazing. And because I was afraid, I said no. And if you say no enough, God will say, fine, have it your way. And that is what happened here. Now, there was a group eventually that rose up. It was their children. It was their children's children because there was 40 years of them wandering around in the wilderness. And now you have to skip forward to the book of Joshua. And now Joshua is the leader because Moses has died. And they stand on the edge of the promised land, just as they had 40 years before. But there's a totally different perspective that the people have. And so Joshua says, it's time for us to take the promised land. And instead of turning from it, here's how the people respond. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And that is music to God's ears. And God says, we're going to go in and we're going to take the land. The plan was supposed to be 40 years ago. It was postponed for a while, but the plan is intact. It won't be easy. You won't go away unscathed. You will have to work hard to do this, but you need to know this. I'm with you. I'm with you, and we'll do this together. And that's the question that we have before us as we, as we plan to go into Huntington Beach. Are we going to go? Is this the opportunity that he's given us? And there will be things that are frightening and scary, and there will be things that will be hard, and we will not go away unscathed. I'm telling you that. We won't go away unscathed. God never promises that we will. 
But he does say this, if you trust me and we move on this together, amazing things will happen. When Julie and I were in South Carolina, and a lot of you, I think, know at this point that we helped build a church, and we had been meeting in schools for a long time, and uh, the time came where we said, we've got to buy some land, we've got to build a building, we've got to do some things to make ourselves a permanent uh, church home. And so we started to go through that process. And right as we were uh, moving on that process, the guy who was our senior pastor at that point, I was an associate pastor with him, the guy who was our senior pastor stepped down. And he made a good call. He, he was right in doing this at this time. He stepped down. And uh, then... Uh, this landowner came to us and said, you've said you're interested in this land. You've given us some money to hold it for you. We need the rest of the money now. There's somebody else that wants to buy it. It's up to you. You have a month. You can do it. Our senior pastor was gone. Our giving was way behind. And I remember we were sitting uh, basically at the school, and a guy stood up. He was one of the only white-haired guys we had. We had a really young congregation, one of the white-haired guys. He had told me he was going to do this, but he stood up and he said, we stand on the edge of a decision right now. We can either decide that we are going to go ahead and raise the money and buy this land, or we can walk away. And I want to tell you, after living all the years that I've lived, this is God's call to us. He has called us to buy this property. And I am standing here telling you that I will pledge to do it, but we all need to join. I need to hear from you basically in his words, we're all in, we're all in. And it was a great moment in that church's life. And, you know, as I was telling this message about a year ago to our congregation, I said, today we sit and we stand in the building that we built off of that challenge. And imagine what would have happened if we had said, nope, it's too hard. This is just too much work. I don't even know what would have happened. But we stand in the same position. We're about to go off campus, and in a second I want to talk to you about what it means to go off campus. It is not easy. I've done this before. A lot of you have done this before. There are going to be huge challenges. We can't do it without everybody buying in, without everybody saying, I'm all in. Not just emotionally all in, but you can count on me. I'm going to do my part. And that day now has come. Hopefully it's at Golden West College. If it isn't, it's somewhere else. But come January, we are out of here, and we are back in the land. And so here's what I want to do. Um, let me just talk to you. Uh, incidentally, the third decision, uh, the nature of the call, is simply this. Is it going to be about just you, or is it going to be bigger than you? Is it going to be just about you, or is it bigger than you? God says, make it bigger than you. You're not enough can't just be your convenience factor of having a church closer to where you are. Here is what it's going to take. We're going to have to make hard, fast decisions, I think, about three things. The first is, are we going to be a church that reaches the lost? I just want to make it totally clear, and I think you already know this. I think you already buy into it. I have absolute, absolutely no interest in going into Huntington Beach and trying to get Christians from other churches to join us. If they're in a church in Huntington Beach, they're already in, right? They're already in. We aren't going to Huntington Beach to try and pull other Christians to our church. We're going to reach people 
who aren't in church. And you know what? There's a whole bunch more that aren't in church. We've got 150,000 in Huntington Beach alone. Whatever we have in Fountain Valley and the other places, we've got plenty of people to build bridges with, to love on, to draw, you know, to help them find. So I just want to make it really clear. That's the challenge God's giving us. It isn't just to build a church. It's not just to get a crowd. It's to reach people that right now need the hope of Jesus. That's who we're going after. Here's the second thing, just so that we're absolutely clear. We will be a church that helps the needy. We will be a church that helps the needy. God has called us to this. There are plenty of people with needs in Huntington Beach. There are children with needs. There are families that are breaking down. There are people who are addicted. There are people that are aimless in life. There are people who are depressed. There are people that don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. We are going to make a difference in that. And I'll tell you one thing that's amazing to me. When I see Lo and uh, Christine, they have demonstrated this. Our, our church has a heart for it because our leaders have had a heart for it. But I'm just amping it up. We will do this. We don't want to go into Huntington Beach and not take care of the needs of the people there. And I love that that heart is already in this church. It is. We're just going to keep on pushing it. And then here's the most specific thing that I can tell you that we're going to need. We have been carried on eagle's wings to this point. We come into a building we haven't paid for. Well, maybe some of you did, but I didn't pay for this building. Uh, we've come into a building we haven't paid for. We have bands that are supplied to us that we haven't built up ourselves. Uh, our children go to a children's ministry that we, we don't have to. We just can send them over there. It's a great thing. All of that changes next month. All of a sudden, it's on us. All of a sudden, it's our serving. God's going to put us down and say, it's time for you to do your part. And so I want to be very specific about this. And in fact, uh, in your programs, you have a card. If you pull out, it's just a little, like, what, 4 by 4 5 by 5 6 by 6 card. Yeah, it's a 3 by 3 Here, somebody hold it up just so that we know what we're talking about. If you just pull that out for a second, because this is like sort of group participation, okay? And you've got pens there and so forth. Just pull it out. And I want to just tell you that you have some opportunities at this point. Um, we are going to need people to do hospitality. And by hospitality, what I mean is uh, we're going to have people that are going to have to take care of the parking for us. We're going to have a parking team. Uh, we're going to have to have people that are greeters, as we do right now. Uh, there's going to be the food services. We're doing that right now. But it's going to be so important as we're on this campus, and, you know, it's a big old campus, that we are so hospitable, and we need those of you that are gifted in that to say, I'll step up. I will welcome the people that will come. I will help them to find a home here at our church. So we're going to need that. And if you're sort of called or wired that way, write it down, okay? Just so you know, we'll talk to you. It's not like you're automatically on the teams. We're just trying to get an idea of who wants to do what. Second thing is we are going to have to have a children's ministry. I was talking to one of the moms, and she said, listen, I am so excited about going to Huntington Beach, but I also need to tell you, my kids love Port Mariners. Port Mariners is having a huge impact on my kids. I cannot go with you if the children's ministry is not going to be great. And I'm just telling you, the children's ministry is going to be great. We will hire someone who will help us with it, but it is up to us 
And for those of you called to work with children, we need you to step up. We need you to step up. We need enough of you so that there's some kind of rotation because we'll go in with one service and that means when you're serving in the children, you won't be in with the adults. It's a big commitment. But we want to have a rotation so that you, everybody gets a chance. But for the first season, before we go to two services, the commitment level is high for this. Uh, we're going to need a junior high ministry. Last time, Lowe was telling me when we left, and we, we didn't do junior high out of the gate, and parents said, and I would have said it too, I love the idea of going into Huntington Beach. I will not sacrifice my child, my junior higher, for that. So you've, we've got to have that. And some of you are called to work with junior hires, and you are my hero, but you are called to that. Then there is a team that is going to be the most amazing team that we have ever seen, which is the setup and takedown team. Because when we go into Golden West, if that's where we're at, we're going to have to set up every week and take down every week. And uh, I don't know how many of you have ever had the great joy of doing something like that. I did it for years. Uh, does it build camaraderie? Yeah. We'll make special T-shirts and everything. You guys will be the heroes. But we're going to need that. We're going to, you know, people that come early, people that stay late. For a season, this is our life. And we need you to step up on that. And then we'll need technical people to do the media and the lights and the production and all the things that go on back there. Here's what I'm saying. There's about 100 of you here. I need every one of you. All of you have a part to play. It's your part of saying we're all in. We are in for a great ride. And it's starting. It's coming. We're a month out. And we're going to go into Huntington Beach, not because we need a more convenient place to meet, but because God has called us to make a difference there. And we're going to go in, and we are going to be change agents in that city. And as we do it, God will bless us. And what God is asking right now is this. Are you all in? And so here's what I want to do. We're going to not sing here then because we're, we're running over. Will you stand up? And here's what I want. We're just going to practice this one time. We're just going to practice the response that God loves to hear his people say. When he says, I am calling you to change Huntington Beach, you are going to say, we're all in. And when God says there are lost people that we are going to reach, and I'm asking you, will you do it? You're going to say, we're all in. And when he says there's people who are in need, who need to see the love of Jesus in action in tangible ways, and God's going to say, will you do that? We're going to say, we're all in. And that is music to God's ears. Lord, we are so grateful that you saved us. You came to us when we couldn't possibly come to you. And you have loved us. And you have walked with us and you've carried us on eagle's wings. And you've assembled us as a people. And we are so grateful to be a community, but we know that we're not a community just because it feels good to us. You've called us to do something amazing. And now, Lord, as your people, we stand before you and we say, we're all in. We're all in. We will trust you in the challenges. We will delight in the blessings. And we are glad for this opportunity. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. For more information about Mariner's, visit www.marinerschurch.org.